again, everyone. Uh, this is Dylan here with Who the Health Cares. As always, we have with us Dr. Bella Villa. Um, so this is episode three of the podcast, and today we're going to be talking largely about vaccines and immunizations. Um, it's definitely something that's become more prevalent uh, with the pandemic that's been ongoing. Um, so today we're just going to tackle some of the, those issues that have been occurring. Um, so my first question for you, Dr. Bellavi, is why do you think people are so hesitant to get vaccinated in today's age? Dylan, that's a very good question. Being a physician for so many years and giving patients vaccines and immunizations since as long as I can remember, including the DPTs and polio vaccines and others that we've given from children, hepatitis B vaccines even at birth, and so on, I have never seen the hesitancy that we see today with the, the COVID vaccine. Uh, people have to remember that vaccines have actually saved the human race, that without the vaccines, uh, uh, we would have unbearable diseases going forward from smallpox, from diphtheria, tetanus, uh, hepatitis, and so on. I think the hesitancy today has caused, been caused mainly by the miscommunication of our federal government from the White House down and also that the media who's uh, making big stories about the, uh, these vaccines. We all know as adults, we've uh, given our children these vaccines because they were mandatory. We also know that when our children went to school, we had to give them a certain amount of vaccines or they wouldn't be allowed in school. And these vaccines have saved innumerable lives across the world. The hesitancy about the COVID vaccine, I think it's just been an issue of fear mongering by miscommunications on the federal government and the CDC and everybody that's given out messages and by the media um, making this a political thing. So my feeling is that the COVID vaccine for today, as well as every vaccine is safe, it's very worthwhile to take. And if you want to gamble on a vaccine, then you should go to Atlantic City and gamble there, but don't gamble with your life and not getting these vaccines. Um, they're very, very valuable to all of us. Okay, great. I mean, yeah, I think I would hope that you know most of our viewers uh, would agree with that. But for those who maybe don't, um, do you see any reason why uh, you know people should be hesitant? So, like, you hear all the time about vaccine injuries or people having adverse reactions or even like sure. autism causing being well, caused by. Let's be factual. Anytime you introduce a foreign substance into your body whether it's a vaccine, a food, or anything else, there's always a possibility that you have an adverse reaction. The amount of adverse reactions that occur in these vaccines is absolutely minimal. I mean, very, very, very small, infinitesimal uh, percentage of patients taking any vaccine get side effects. You also have to remember that some of the side effects indicate that the vaccine is actually building an, uh, you know, an antibody response for your body that there's a response in your body to the vaccine, which is a good fact. And so if you can get a vaccine and you get a little side effect that you could take one or two Tylenol in 24 hours and you become immunized against that disease, it is certainly worthwhile to, to have that little bit of side effect uh, and be protected against the disease. As far as the autism issue, you know, that's been debunked over and over again in the literature. That was all started by a very, very false report. I think it came out of England originally. And that's been proven to be absolutely wrong. There are also issues about certain elements in the vaccine itself, and some people are allergic to that stuff. And so there are vaccines that are made without those substances in them. So 
all in all, I think that vaccines are an essential part of protecting one's health across the board, and people should not be afraid, and the amount of side effects is absolutely minimal. Okay, understood. Uh, and so sort of um, putting COVID-19 in that vaccination to, to the side for a bit, um, as far as like the sort of more, let's say, tried and true vaccines, there is extensive FDA um, sort of um, research and you know final approval that goes into these, right? right? I mean, I think maybe it would make sense for our viewers for you to elaborate a little bit on sort of what goes into an actual FDA sure. approval. Well, normally to approve a vaccine in the United States has to be done by the FDA. And it requires all companies producing these vaccines to go through very, very extensive testing and reporting of all issues and so on. It is a very long process and sometimes takes years. The, the good thing about, the, for instance, the flu vaccine, that every year it's a different flu vaccine. And we're fortunate enough that all of the flu starts somewhere in China. And so by the time it gets to the United States, it gives the FDA and companies the ability to build a vaccine against that particular strain of flu for that year. So for the flu, it's kind of well known, so it takes about a year's time before they can, they can get an FDA approval on a, flu, on a new flu vaccine. Uh, others can take various times to be proven that they're safe. Uh, on the issue of the COVID vaccine, it was done with warp speed, but I'm pretty sure that all the federal agencies and the people responsible for this have done all that in rapid speed, but they've done it judiciously and that they can ascertain that there is really no difficulty with these vaccines that have been put out. So the time frame, although it's long in some cases, and the COVID vaccine is short but safe. Understood. If anybody wants to have the actual process of how the FDA gets to approve these, they'll be posted on our website, and we'll give you that at the end of the, at the session. Okay, great. Um, and then so just for, you know, maybe our viewers that are a bit younger or even those who have children, um, are there specific vac vaccinations that you like are imploring people to you know get as soon as possible? Is that something that you should just follow your with your physician about, or are there are there some that you know are sort of necessary for being able to function in society? Well, first of all, the advice on getting a vaccine should be given by each and every person's personal physician, where they have a relationship with and trust. But in a general point of view, I think that the COVID vaccine is essential for everybody to get at least from the age of 12 and up. Um, and there's not many parents out there that don't give their children, for instance, DPT shots. There's nobody uh, says, no, I don't want to give my child a hepatitis B vaccine, for instance. Uh, healthcare workers have to prove that they've gotten hepatitis B vaccines and so on. There's never been a hesitancy against these issues here. I don't know why there is one now, but in any case, I think that the uh, vaccines are safe and everybody should get, get it. Uh, avail themselves to any and all that are available because these actually prevent disease and actually on a long-term issue they actually prevent death of course so, so um i mean you, you talked about it a little bit but do you think that this sort of hesitancy for like the COVID 19 vaccine is sort of trickling down into all these other uh, immunizations and like how do you prevent that from happening well I'm sure that some hesitancy is now being addressed to all these vaccines. Um, I know for a fact that some parents now, new parents, are thinking twice about giving them the, the initial DPT shots that you have to get to go to school, even at two or three months of age, because of the, still the fear of autism, 
and they have they have to really learn that that's no longer a valid excuse. Um, so again, my only thing to people is vaccines are, are great preventers of, of disease, and you should avail yourself to all of them. The complication rates and the side effect rates of all of these vaccines is extremely extremely slow. Low. Understood. But I'm sure it has. The, the COVID hesitancy has probably caused parents to give their children another, another vaccines not to be taken as easily as before. Understood. Do you think it's more of um, maybe them not trusting that like the FDA or the CDC or whoever it is has like their best interest in mind any longer? Or is it just, well, if they did this with COVID-19, they probably did the same thing with all the others? Well, I could assure everybody that over years and years and years, uh, the vaccines beforehand have all been proven to be very effective with minimal side effects and so on. Um, I think that the mismanagement of the, the message about vaccines lately by politicians, all of a sudden everybody, everybody became an armchair physician on vaccines and had their own opinion. But the real value of these vaccines, everybody should really look at. If we didn't have vaccines today, probably most of us they prevent these, these long-term diseases. Uh, give you a great example of smallpox. Right? That was almost mandated to everybody to pass to get smallpox vaccine, and everybody did. Some of us still have, so that today, many of the children don't need to get the smallpox vaccine because it was eradicated at that time by the vaccination. So uh, we don't see many kids having tetanus anymore because they've been immunized against that by a series of these things. Uh, the hepatitis vaccines. The human papillovirus has, has even prevented some cancers in young adults coming on in the future. So vaccines have a very, very important part in your health and welfare. And I think you should avail yourself to any and all that are out there. Um, I can't speak to religious uh, objections to vaccines. Um, that is just a completely different area. That's nothing I could say about. But I don't particularly see any religious reason not to get a vaccine. It's, it's for everybody's health, it's for your health, your children's health, and you should speak to your, your own personal physician for that. Again, there'll be some information on our website, uh, explanation of all the vaccines, not only on the COVID, but all of them. So you could avail yourself to that information. Awesome, great. And I'd just like to add, I actually um, uh, sort of pulled some information from the CDC website. Um, but so regarding hepatitis B, like you were saying, um, so the WHO estimates that uh, 296 million people are currently living with chronic hepatitis B infection, uh, at least in 2019, uh, and there's a million and a half new infections each year. And then they added that um, in 2019, hepatitis B resulted in an estimated 820,000 deaths, um, mostly from cirrhosis and um, uh, hepatocellular carcinoma. Um, so like liver cancer. Um, and then it added that and in terms of the effectiveness of the vaccine, they said it's 98 to 100% effective. So let me give you an example on hepatitis. As a healthcare professional, we are mandated to get all these vaccines if we were to enter the hospital to see our patients. I don't see any of my physician colleagues ever refuse to go get a hepatitis B vaccine or get the series of them. People who travel to these countries where these diseases are prevalent, it's highly recommended that people get them. And to my knowledge, everybody that travels there comes here and, and asks, what vaccinations do I need to travel to X? And they're very willing to take it. 
So uh, if they're willing to do it to get into a area of threat, they get the vaccine. There's, there's no real problems with it. And I think that the media has been a big, big part of the miscommunication for people and the hesitancy of taking the COVID vaccine. The other thing I think, if I may say something politically here in New Jersey, that I think the governor of the state and the Department of Health made a tragic error in not allowing physicians in general to give out the vaccine. Because who trusts the, the, who does the patient trust more about getting the vaccine or not is the physician. Uh, not the pharmacist, but the physician. And yet they didn't allow the, uh, the physicians to give out the vaccine. Yeah, understood. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about um, in some of our other episodes where, uh, you know, people trust their primary care physician, right? You can convince people to do the things that they need to do for their health by allowing that information to be given or administered in some circumstances yeah. by that primary care physician. Well, I, I am pretty sure that almost every physician, of course, I can't be 100% certain on this, but I would say that a very, very high percentage of all physicians have not only got the vaccine, but have made sure that their entire family's gotten vaccinated. So what more credibility can we give as physicians to patients that it's safe and so on than by taking it ourselves? Yeah, and especially like your own, your family, your children, Absolutely. grandchildren, mm -hmm. you know, of course. Um, so... Um, I know we're, we're sort of staying on, on the topic of, um, you know, immunizations in general, but just to touch a little bit specifically on um, just like COVID-19 because it's becoming mm -hmm. so relevant. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about sort of like vaccine derived viruses. So like how Delta and Lambda came about with um, the coronavirus. So we know maybe another reason why, you know, we need as many people vaccinated as possible to prevent these mutations. Do you have some sort of information well, on that? Certainly, you know, the history of all viruses is that they mutate. It's not uh, only the COVID that mutates. All mm -hmm. viruses mutate. Uh, that's the history of viruses. So if we could eradicate the basic COVID virus, then we won't get mutations. So the faster that the world comes to getting vaccinated, the less of a possibility of, of any mutations come about. But all viruses mutate. Some mutate to a more virulent status and... But I think the majority of them mutate, but they don't mutate to uh, being more virulent than others. Understood. Um, so even just sort of backtracking a little bit, um, I know you obviously said that this happens extremely rarely, but um, so for those who do sort of experience adverse effects from vaccinations, is there sort of like a common theme among those adverse uh, effects? Is it, is it just, you know, being allergic to something specific? Is it a result of like comorbidities or? Well, you, you realize in the past that a lot of these vaccines were developed in eggs. And so that if you had an egg allergy, you know, you had to try to not get that, to get that vaccine specifically because you thought you might get an allergy to eggs and you get to get the shot and you get an adverse reaction. Every time you get a vaccine, what it does is it stimulates your immune system. Okay. And to the degree that your immune system is stimulated, would be the amount of side effects you might get. So I'll tell you personally, I got the vaccine against COVID. My first vaccine, I took in a 24 hour period, two Tylenol to get rid of the minor muscle aches and pains that I had. I personally took the second one and I had to take four 
Tylenols in the 24-hour period because I had a bigger response period after the first one. Okay. Um, on my third one, because I'm immunosuppressed, I had no reaction. Didn't take any Tylenol. And I built my antibodies from a very low being a transplant patient to a mere 200-something um, antibodies to now to 2,500 antibodies. So I'm safe. And that doesn't mean I don't want to take other precautions in a, in a crowded area to wear a mask and so on, or to stay social distancing when it's possible. But yes, there is going to be some little side effect on any, even the babies who get the DPT shots, it hurts them and they get red and parents have to give them some Tylenol. But that's a small price to pay to become immunized against disease. So if you're not willing to take just a little bit of discomfort, to protect yourself from big time diseases, it's just a no brainer. It doesn't make any sense to me. So yes, you might get a little side effect. You take a couple of Tylenol, you drink some more fluids. Some people have a little more side effects than others, but remember the bottom line is after that, those side effects go away in a short period of time, you are now safe. And I think personally that it's worthwhile, no matter what the little side effects that you get from any vaccine, okay? Of course, the oral ones don't give you that kind of oral polio and stuff. But anytime you get an injection, oop, you get that ouch, that's considered, you know, oh, I don't want to get my shot. Um, and how difficult it is for parents to bring their babies to get the immunizations every three months in the, you know, in the first year of life. But they do it for the reason is that they're doing something to protect their child in the future from these diseases. And people ought to think about that. Yes, you might have a little side effect, but it's worthwhile to have that little side effect and be protected. Understood that. I think that most people would hopefully agree with that as well. Um, so, I mean, you, you also touched on, on this a little bit as well, but um, so before you were talking a little bit about sort of the vaccinations that have been sort of mandated, you're required to do certain things as a physician or a healthcare okay. worker. Um, do you see sort of government enforcement of these vaccinations as being helpful or, or maybe in the long term hurting um, because people, you know, want to express their, their ability to, you know, be quote unquote free? You know, it's a, it's a very difficult problem. I can see where the problem comes that America is a free country, so on. You should be able to take care of your own body and, and decide what goes in it and not goes in it and so on. But there's also a responsibility that everybody has to each other. So, not that I'm a firm believer of mandates, uh, that you should wear a mask or not wear a mask, or you should get the vaccine or not. As far as the vaccines go, I hate the word mandate, but I would think that the American public would be smart enough to realize that if we all step to the plate and get vaccines without mandates and being forced to, we will save each other. And that's something I think the message should have been out instead of forcing mandates down. Saying, yes, you do have a right to do that, but you can't have your right and affect me in a negative way. So if you don't want to get vaccinated, then maybe you shouldn't be around me because you're, you're a potential danger to me. You're carrying a virus that might be, uh, uh, you know, danger. If you want to take the risk of not getting the vaccine and live out there with the possibility of getting a deadly disease, that's, that's fine. But you can't include yourself in the community of others that wish to be protected. And so I would appeal more to people's beliefs that they should get the vaccine rather than make it mandated. Now, not being a lawyer, what about the public interest, right? Uh, so we mandate certain immunizations for kids to go to school, right? You gotta get your measles, mumps, and rubella shots, you gotta get the boosters, you gotta
got to have your polios and so on and so forth. I didn't see any public going against those. And they were quote unquote mandated, right? By schools and, and so on and, and government. Um, so there's a very fine line between mandating in the public interest and what people should do as good citizens. Uh, I, for one, don't like the word mandated, but I think that anybody would conclude that if it's going to save the public in the public interest, that maybe some things have to be mandated. Uh, I would hope that the public would understand that rather than use the word mandate, that they'd step to the plate to its right. Understood. So it's I guess, a big political yeah. question. Uh, yeah, I understand that, you know, obviously that's a, a complicated question, yeah. but I think to, to maybe make it as simple as possible, what you're saying is that you view people as having sort of a moral obligation to their community to do what's to best for the whole, and if they're not willing to do so, then they maybe they shouldn't themselves. participate. Yeah, yeah, understood. Okay, and, and I think that that's a, a fairly reasonable ask, and again, you know, if it does come to that, if there, if that moral obligation, you know, is not there for enough people in the community, that's how you get mandates, is that there's no alternative. It has well, to be done in order for the public as, to... As a physician, I live with mandates, right? For me to go into my hospital, I have to prove that I've gotten the flu shot every year. That's mandated. Now, I have a choice. If I don't want to get the flu shot, I just can't go see patients in the hospital. It's very simple. Or they put a different kind of restriction. I may have, maybe have to go in there and wear a mask all the time. But it's for the protection of all the patients in the hospital, as well as my colleagues and everybody else I'm in contact with. So it makes sense. But, again, it's a tough political question to answer. Yeah, I think it's realistically a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people yeah. that, you know, if they're making certain choices, they will be able to do things that they're normally used to doing. Right. Um, so, um, I mean, you also talked, you talked a little bit about how um, the, the sort of failings of the government and also the media in, in um, you know, having maybe poor messaging. Do you, do you view sort of this spread of like maybe social media kind of contributing to this hesitancy as well? So, you know, again, as we talked in, in previous podcasts, if you have social media, you can say whatever you want, and you know that doesn't. You're not necessarily, you know, fact checked. Well, still a free country, so you should be able to. You can't yell fire, you know, in a, in a movie theater and get away with that, and, and cause havoc. However, um, again, I think that the people should be allowed to say what they want. People should be spotted up to see what they're reading and check that out for themselves. You don't need other fact checkers, fact checkers to do that for you. You should try and do that yourself. And how much information do you get on healthcare when you Google it that's really not viable or realistic and so on? Uh, how many times do patients think that they know everything and they come to us and they give us, oh, I read this on the internet and they take it completely out of context because healthcare is a very complicated situation. You just can't read a small little bit off the internet and say that I know about this disease and so on. So you have to have some faith that the people take care of you. You have to have some faith in, in, in your government agencies. I can tell you personally, I've lost some faith in the CDC recently for various reasons, won't go into. I've even lost some faith in the FDA, who I valued as great people. I've even politically, if I may say, I've lost some faith in Dr. Fauci, who I thought originally was going to be a godsend to us in, in, his, in his knowledge on viruses and so on. But the message has not been clear. And what happens is that, that then it's like a, a ball rolling down a hill. It just gets bigger and bigger because 
you start to see almost one lie after another, then you start to lose faith in these agencies. Um, the solution to that, I don't know. Maybe they should put together a group of top-notch virologists in the country into a panel and get this open to the whole public. And let's let's have it out. Let's have the truth. Let's everybody take a look at. Let's have other po points of view. Let's give the American people credit. Let's give them enough credit that they can listen to people and hopefully try to make an intelligent decision. It may not be the right one for everyone, but the way it's being done now, that you have one institution in the country saying that what this institution said is wrong, and every day there's a new article that comes out, uh, and people are just totally, totally confused. So I would recommend you know a nice panel of well-known virologists in the country from accredited places to answer the questions in a consensus so that the American people can get the real truth about the viruses. Now, about Wuhan and that, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get the truth out of what happened there. But every time you listen to the news, there's new stories coming out about how this virus started. But now there's new news about where Dr. Fauci was involved in, in, in the, the manufacture of this virus and so on. So for the average American public, of course, there's so much stuff out there, it's hard to digest. And we don't know what's true and what's not true. That's why I would recommend, you know, a real solid panel of people in, who really understand viruses and so on to get out there and tell the American public, this is the real truth about this particular virus. And let's get it out there. Let's not hide it anymore. Let's have the transfer. Let the American public make some decisions. Let's not have politicians make our decisions for everything that we do. I know it's a little bit off the topic of medicine, but uh, I, for one, you know, every time I listen to the news, it's a whole new story. And I, as a physician, you know, I have to digest it in a different way. I can imagine the lay public that gets this day-to-day -day and they just know where to go. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I know, like, when we talked about this before, I remember being very confused, especially in the beginning of when the pandemic first started, about what exactly yeah. was wanted of us. And obviously, it's understandable that this was something that was new that was happening. Absolutely. There are going to be mistakes, but not two years Absolutely in the beginning. The nobody knew anything about this virus, okay? So we all of a sudden, we had these pundits that know everything about COVID, and it was just brand new. How could you know everything? Well, you, you know, how did you get this information? So I think that also led to a lot of confusion that people had to make adjustments in their thinking as new things came out. But now it's long gone by that time. Now it's time to really get an open, transparent view of this and let's cut the politics out of this and let's save the country from disease and so on. So the bottom line here for folks is that I think they should all get as many vaccines as they can possibly get to prevent as many illnesses as they can. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, I, I mean, we could talk about this sort of thing for a long on. time, I'm sure. Um, but so, sort of to change the topic a little bit. So, uh, I mean, obviously, I kind of know the answers to this. I was going to ask if you recommend for everyone to get the flu vaccine. I, I think most people would probably understand what your answer would be for, for, from now on. But I have sort of another question that's maybe in, in the same line. So now that... I mean, people have been wearing masks for a very long time now. Do you see that as maybe something that's sort of here to stay in that, you know, is it maybe a good idea for those who are sick with the flu to wear a mask when they're out so that they're not spreading this? Well, or? So how many stories have you heard? How many reports have you heard on one side of the coin or the other that said that masks are helpful and that masks are not helpful? Whether they use cloth or use nylon or use an N95 or so on. Um, 
now the stories are out that all these plastic separators that people have in businesses and so on are worthless, that they don't really help to prevent the spread of the virus. So do I think that any respiratory disease is abated by use of masks? Yes, I do think that's the case. How much? We don't really know. Because remember, viruses are really microscopic particles, and they could escape even any mask that we wear now, in my personal opinion. How do I know that if I don't take my mask, I take my mask out to walk to my car, I'm not going to pick up the virus? For the five minutes that I may be walking to my car, that I don't have a mask on, for instance. So if you feel safe wearing a mask, then I certainly say you should wear it. Do I think it helps in most respiratory diseases? Can you imagine if every year when we had the flu epidemics, that everybody wore masks? Did you ever see anybody wearing masks during the flu epidemics in the past? No, nobody wore them. Nobody wore them. Now, was it proven then that the mask helped prevent the flu? I would say it probably did. I mean, any respiratory disease, if you could block the passage of it, it's going to help. But wouldn't it be better if everybody got a flu shot and we eradicated that, that you wouldn't have to wear a mask? Wouldn't that be better? Yeah, no, no, certainly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think a lot of people would argue as well that uh, for many, wearing a cloth over their face is some is like a, a simple solution that doesn't require you know, that much effort. But if you think that helps you, I have no objection. You wearing a mask, but you can't go and say and go into a parking lot and have a fight because the guys don't wear a mask. Yeah. But I would say in today's world that if you're out in the crowd and there are people that are carrying the virus and not wearing a mask and we do know that it's extended by three feet, then we should ask people to wear basket crowds. But again, everybody has a right to do what they want, and everybody has, has also has a moral right to protect themselves, their family, and their, and, and their co-inhabitants of the community. Okay, yeah, so I mean, I guess, again, it sort of boils down to you're part of a community, you have certain obligations as being a member that you should feel, you know... Why do surgeons wear masks in the operating room? So they don't spread anything that might come through that methodology to a patient who's unconscious with their intestines or their body open to the outside world. And why do we, we do all the necessary precautions against infection in operating rooms? It's for the simple fact that we don't want to transfer a disease from one person to another. Again, the difficulty is, is that there's no true study that says masks will help or they don't help. So... To me, I think if you're going to be there, do if even if it doesn't help, and you believe it helps, it's, it's still good. Understood. Um, so, just to talk about sort of implementation of these vaccinations a little bit, do you think? And you, you did mention it uh, a little bit before. Do you think that it's like the sort of physical act of being injected with a vaccine that causes hesitancy for some people? Everybody's afraid of the shot. There isn't any person that says, hey, I want you to give me a shot. Um, if everybody would realize that there's absolutely painless, because in today's world, and I'm old enough to know, when we got shots with needles that were just sterilized over and over again, and they got dull, those shots hurt. Today, the manufacture of these needles is so sharp and, and so good, you don't even feel the needle going in. And the amount of pain that a shot gives today is absolutely the most minimal there is. And you could ask any diabetic who takes any kind of uh, injection type of medicine that the needles are so small and so sharp that they don't even feel it. And it's the same thing with the vaccine. The needle, you do not feel. 
Yeah, I mean, I can say from from personal experience that when I got vaccinated, that yeah, it was. Yeah, needles today are so sharp. They, they're individual. They're not reused. They don't get dull. And uh, that, that should not be a cause of hesitancy at all. But tell that to a kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I understand that, like, you know, some people are just scared of the actual, like, yeah. even visually of, of needles. Exactly. But that's yeah, something people that to faint overcome. when they get an injection because they're so frightened. But, you know. It doesn't hurt at all. Okay, so, I mean, do you see any value in sort of like alternative methodologies being developed sort of more for like the masses in, in, in cases where, you know, pandemics do occur? Or is it really just like, you know, injections are the most effective and, and easiest way to disseminate that? Well, right now, they're the most effective way of, of starting the immune system to work. Uh, there are some vaccines that are oral. Uh, there are some that have been nasal, they go to the nasal cavities. Um, of course, one would strive to give the, uh, the vaccines in the most non-intrusive way, the, the less pain involved with giving that would be absolutely ideal for everybody. But until now, I don't know of any real methodology of, uh, of these vaccines being given other than by injection. Understood. Um, so... Uh, I mean, this is sort of going back uh, about um, like COVID-19 and everything. Um, but so a lot of people would argue that because it's something that's so new, like we have no idea what the long-term effects of these vaccinations are going to be. Is that something that people should be concerned about? Or do you think that um, even with the sort of expedited approval that's gotten from at least one of the vaccinations that that's not, not to worry about? Yeah. It's an interesting question, very hard to answer. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen 10 years after you take this vaccine. Um, there are medicines that are out for 50 years, even thousands of years that don't give us any side effects. There's always that question is what's the long-term effect? What's the long-term effect in 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years? It's important to think about that, but at the same time, you have to think about your survival today. So. Why worry about 10 or 15 years now that if you don't get this vaccine, you won't even live that long. So it makes sense um, to, uh, to be brave, take it. Let's think about those long-term effects. I don't believe that any of these vaccines have given anybody any real long-term effects uh, and so on. The long-term effects of the diseases, however, are terrible, including death. So... It makes sense to to take the risk, not knowing what's going to happen 25 years from now. We don't even know if we're going to live 25 years from now. So why should I worry about something 25 years from now? I got a, I got a problem today. Do I address that problem today, worrying about 25 years from now? There's no guarantee I'll be here 25 years from now. Okay. So everybody has to make these kind of value judgments. But as a physician, I think that it's safe. Right now, for everything that we know, these drugs, these vaccines are safe. For now and for the future. What may come in the future, I wish I had a crystal ball, then that'd be great, but uh, I have to deal with the, what I have in front of me today. Understood. Um, yeah, so I think, especially for, you know, um, those who are um, sort of more susceptible to the 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 COVID-19 I'll give you an example on long-term effects, okay? 
not only myself, but any patient who has had an organ transplant, do you realize that the side effects of the anti-transplant medicines is lymphoma, cancer? Now, I take that medicine every day. I've been taking it now for 12 years. Do I have the concern that I might get lymphoma taking this medicine? Of course. But if I don't take it, I wouldn't even be here. So I got to take the medicine today, taking the risk of that side effect, if I'm going to survive even tomorrow or next week. So yes, uh, there are some long-term effects of all medicines. If we know those effects, and I can tell you that every transplant patient will gladly take the medicine worrying about lymphoma another time. Because i got to save my life today. I'm not worried about 10 years from now. Understood. Yeah, I mean... I mean those, I'm just yeah. giving you an example yeah. of a group of people. And it's the same thing that they found out for transplant people, that they were unable to build the antibodies with the shots because we're immunosuppressed by the medicine we take. We, we prevent our immune system from building the antibodies against this because we have to take that medicine to protect ourselves from deteriorating the organ that we got. Okay? That's why they were the first ones to get approval for the third shot. And my own classic example on my third vaccine, I went from 259 antibodies to greater than 2,500. So, you know, it's a risk you take and everybody that's in that risk that I know of that went for an organ transplant very happily took the risk of lymphoma in the future so they could live for whatever it is now. Because if I don't take it now, I'm not here for the future. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a very simple it's answer. It's also no brainer. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's a good point to, to bring up, even even for those who aren't in the exact same situation exactly. as you, is that you know you're you're thinking about a potential risk in the future. Right. Meanwhile, there's it a may very never happen. yeah, it's a but real. But I know if I don't take it today, now. I won't have that future. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I think that that's maybe something that have to people have to take into consideration, of course. So I, I think I think the public should start to think more carefully rather than jumping to conclusions and getting excited over every single thing that comes out. Spend a few minutes, give these things careful thought. How would you react to this? What would you do? Um, a lot of the excuses that I've heard of, well, I got this disease. Well, because you have that disease is the reason why you should be getting the vaccine. Yeah. Not that you shouldn't be getting the vaccine. Yeah. Or I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Or I don't know if it's FDA approved. They gave it 120 million doses with it not being approved and people took it. All of a sudden you're worried about whether it's approved or not. Okay. FDA says it's approved now. Does it may change your mind yeah. No, of course. And again, I think that in a lot of cases, people will continue to come up with excuses because really... For their own particular reasons. Yeah. Um, but I just want to remind everybody again that on the website, it's at uh, www.ozonetwork.com. We'll have the information on all, all the, uh, the age groups of immunization and also the process of the FDA in approving them. All right, great. Um, so yeah, I think that's where we'll end our, our okay. third episode. And um, definitely think that um, looking into the future, COVID-19 is obviously something that's uh, a very sort of hot topic currently. Okay. Something we'll probably explore okay. a little bit more in depth in Good. the future as well. I think you have a whole bunch of uh, subjects in the future, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So you know, we'll come out with a sort of regular segments in the future. Great. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for, Thank for you. listening. Bye now.